It's the last week in our series, and we're glad that you have been here. I hope you've been here all four weeks. If you weren't here last week, you need to go listen to the podcast. Pastor Kyle did an outstanding job. A-plus, I told him, after I heard it. And so you'll want to make sure you listen to that. We've, we've been looking at the ways that Christ changes our old ways and invites us into a new way of living. And we've looked at what we're trying to look at is our corporate habits. Now, it, it has some impact on our individual habits, of course. But what we were looking at over this last month is our corporate habits and seeing God change our habits of fear, of anger, last week of religion. And this week we'll get into something a little different. I want to make sure uh, up front that everybody has their uh, journal. Were you handed a journal on your way in? A little, well, a little slip of paper actually. Open your Bibles, however you open your Bibles, whether that's electronically or an app, or whether it's in paper form, in book form. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 John, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John, the letter of John. It's towards the back of the Bible. And we'll begin right at the beginning in Chapter 1, we'll begin at verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. This is the message we have heard from Him. He's talking about Jesus. And declare now to you, God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. How much sin? All sin. Okay. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? All unrighteous. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. This is the Word of God for the people of God, and our response is, thanks be to God. Well, I want you to to do one thing at the top of your journal there. It's not listed there. It's not in any of the things. Just use the piece of paper. You can use the back if you want. Uh, But I want you to do one thing for me, please. I want you to write out three, no more than three, And don't worry, nobody's going to read this. I want you to write out three particular sins, so whatever you think that is, that you would like to hear Pastor Jeff preach on. I promise I'm not going to ask, we're not going to ask, you're not going to say this out loud, I just want you to write it down, you can fold your paper and hold on to it for later on in the service. Okay? It's three topics. Write down three things. If you can't think of three, write down one or two. Okay? That's all right. If you've got more than three, just stop at three. Okay? All right. I'll let you do that. 
I want to tell you about uh, an experience. Now, many of you know I am trained also as a marriage and family therapist, not only as a pastor. And uh, I had to take a class specifically on how to help folks struggling with addictions of all sorts. And our professor now very wisely, uh, at the time I didn't think it was that wise, but now I understand, uh, told us that we had to, as part of our class experience, go to three different 12-step meetings. It could be anything we wanted. It could be AA, Alcoholics Anonymous. It could be, uh, it could be NA, Narcotics Anonymous. It could be um, Sexaholics Anonymous. It could be Overeaters Anonymous. Just pick, pick three and go. And, uh, oh, man... It's just so nerve-wracking to go in with a group of people and sit down. But I, I began to notice something as I was there. The first group, and it was confirmed in the second group, and it was confirmed again in the third group. I began to notice some things in each of those groups that I found very, very interesting. I, I learned that really they're only... Uh, Criteria for being a part of the group was to want to see change in whatever you were struggling with. So if you were addicted to alcohol, the only criteria you had to come is I want to stop drinking. There wasn't any other entrance fee. I just have the desire to stop. I noticed that that encouraged change, that everyone was there to encourage that change, to see sobriety begin to take hold. I also noticed and was amazed by the camaraderie that I saw there. It means that everyone there had the shared experience. They, they knew what it was like to be in the person's shoes who was sitting across from them in the group or, uh, or was sitting around the table or sitting wherever they were sitting. They knew and there was something about that that just bonded their hearts together. They could almost finish each other's sentences. They, they had that shared experience to know what it was like to be trapped in a substance. And then there was always encouragement to hold fast to health, to sobriety. In fact, they usually end by, keep coming back. It works if you work it. And it was, it was beautiful. I, I began to notice that there was great joy and gentleness at being together. They seemed at ease with one another. They embraced their brokenness. And they were able to live out this shared experience and encourage one another out of that experience. And I also noticed there was a steady calm. And that being together was important for them. They would continue to meet week after week after week. I began to think after about the second group that really this is probably what church should feel like. That we just know who we are, and where we're broken. It should be comfortable with inviting other broken people in and not be surprised when their brokenness shows up in our world and in our lives. And we should be encouraging one another, keep coming back. There's more God wants to do. Maybe we should just, I don't know, start some Sinaholic Anonymous groups or something. I, I don't know. But this brings us to our bad habit. We've looked at fear, we've looked at anxiety, we've looked at religion. Today, I believe the fourth thing that we need to look at corporately as a church, and 
individually as members of this body is to look at denial. Now, it's not just a nap, that's not me type of denial. The type of denial I'm thinking of and talking about runs very, very deep. In fact, there's a psychological term for it. It's also a Greek word. Isn't that awesome? Anos gnos, uh, gnos, I was, I've practiced saying this word a hundred times. Anosognosia. Would you like to say that with me? One, two, three. Anosognosia. It means a lack of ability to perceive the realities of one's own condition. Some people really struggle with this. It can be driven by a lot of different things, but it is a lack of an ability to even perceive the realities of one's own condition. This can run deep. And John's message to this little church and to us today invites us into seeing, into correcting this strange word that is, it means a lack of ability for us to perceive our own condition. John wants us to see something. First of all, I believe he wants us to see who God is. He begins right there in verse 5. You can, you can open up and see that. This is the message we heard from Him and declare to you. God is light in Him. There is no darkness at all. John wants to be very clear about this God is the God who came into the midst of our darkness and turned on the lights and showed everything and exposes everything. That there is a certain power in that exposure of everything that's illuminating, that, that makes us transparent. You can finally see and it, there is a purity to this light. John wants to be very clear about who God is. And then he begins to to show us and give us the opportunity to see our choice in the midst. What do we do with this God who is light? He goes on in verse one, uh, chapter one, verse six. If we claim to have fellowship with Him, God, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. Now this shouldn't be rocket science. Uh, Rod, do, do me a favor here real quick. Can you just turn off the lights? Don't everybody freak out. Maybe we can. There we go. All right. Yeah, I'm in the light. How about you? Uh, see, now I'm in the light. Before, I was in the darkness. How silly it is to see, sit in the darkness and say I'm in the light. He begins to show us that we have a choice here. He wants us to understand. He wanted this little church. and He wants us to understand you can't be in the dark and in the light at the same time. You either have light or you don't. He wants to encourage them and move them and motivate them to understand and to see the choice they have with this God who comes into the dark places of the world with His light we can't we we can't be in dark and light at the same time but we can choose where we walk do you understand that this morning 
He, he goes on in, in verse 7 and says, But if, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, there are a few things that happen. One, we're not alone. That should be encouraging for you. When we walk in the light as He is in the light, when we choose, we are going to take steps and walk in the light. The first thing that John wants you to know is that you're going to find a whole bunch of other people who are walking there with you. That should be encouraging. I'm telling you, when I was training for a marathon, the first uh, few time, a few uh, runs were with just one other person. And we began to get up into some miles. He said, you know what? We should start training with some other people who are also running. And we got with this group that was 9 or 10 or 11. And my friend said, you'll be amazed. It's kind of like being on a bus. You'll just fall in line. You'll start chatting. And the next thing you know, you'll have run 9, 10, 11, 12 miles. I thought, yeah, right. <laughs> Tell that to my legs. But he was right. I started. I, we, we got in with that group and we got into that rhythm. We began to run. And when there were others there with me and the more that we had together, the more it seemed the time flew by. And somehow the pain wasn't quite as great as I had feared. John wants you to know when you decide to walk in the light, you'll get on the bus. And you'll see that there are lots of other people with you that you have community with the word there for fellowship is koinonia it really means community which means community unity community union together we're doing these things together moving in this direction the other benefit of walking in the light john says is that the blood of jesus his son cleans all our sin and i've wrote the word sickness i'm going to explain that here in just a minute as well this may sound strange, blood cleansing sin and, sin and sickness. If you're brand new to the church, John was writing to Jewish Christians. Uh, these were, so they would have understood this lingo and this language. In their understanding, sin created uh, a stain on the community. And so they would offer a sacrifice and the sacrifice of that animal's blood would then be sprinkled out in the temple and in some of the surrounding areas. And what that was seen to do was to move death to the side, to cleanse and to clean and create space for human beings and God to interact again. So John is picking up on this metaphor for us today. And he says when we walk in the light as he is in the light, there'll be a group of us there. And guess what? That metaphor still works. That the blood of Jesus, not just a lamb, but the one John in his gospel mentioned over and over again as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That when Jesus gave all of God's blood on the cross, it created a space with ever-widening circles as His light begins to overtake the darkness, as His cleansing begins to create space for more and more people to do their walking in the light. Are you with me? Is that okay? Okay. Now, I, I listed this as sin and sickness. Sin slash sickness. I want you to understand this because for the first 300 years of Christianity, sin was not solely described as a legal thing. Guilt or innocence. 
It was described that way, but it wasn't the main way. It wasn't the sole way. It was balanced with this understanding that sin is also described in terms of health or sickness. That when we have sin, it's like cancer is to the body. Sin is to the soul. It is a cancer that if not remedied, will lead to death. Paul tells us that. The wages of sin is death. This sickness kills. And yet God is so concerned that He gave His one and only Son. That that cancer of your soul might be healed. Think about it in this term. When someone moves from death into life, it isn't a legal matter, it's a health miracle. Right? And Paul and John and Peter and others will say, you were dead in your trespasses, but now you are alive to God. Now, if you came back to life, you might have to do some legal work to have them acknowledge that you're alive again, reclaim your property. There is that. But we have to have this balance between understanding sin kills it is a sickness of the soul, and it kills relationships, and it kills, it kills organizations. It can even kill churches if they're not careful. This is a sickness, but there is a miracle. Now, John then invites us to see our sickness. This is the third thing that he invites us to see. And he uses paradox to show the dynamic nature of this sick soul sin healing process. I want you to see this. I want you to open your Bibles and look because you're going to see in verse 7, at the end of verse 7, it says, And the blood of Jesus His Son purifies us from all sin. How much sin? But then he goes right on and says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth's not in us. Huh. Well, I thought I was without, I I thought all, all my sin was purified. Well, let's move on. The next verse in verse 9, at the end of verse 9, it says, purifies us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness? But then verse 10 says, if we claim we have not sinned, we've made him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. Which one is it, John? How are we supposed to work with this here? I mean, am I, has all my sin been dealt with or do I still have to say I have sin? See, just the fact that we're asking those questions mean we don't understand what John is getting at. You see, paradox forces you out of your static either or thinking and it invites you into a larger world. It invites you to see The dynamic nature of healing, including the healing of your sin-sick soul. Salvation has never been a noun. Can I get an N, an amen on that? It has always been a verb. It's an action. It's an action that God does, and it's an action that we participate with, and it's an action that we benefit from. I think that's good news. You ought to write that down. Or take a picture of it or something. Salvation is not a noun. It is a verb. It always has been. It always will be. That means that there's something different. That means that we are called to have a couple of actions. I said it's an action we participate with. So it's something that God initiates. God has initiated with Jesus. 
And we are called and we are now invited into this work. Now, I want to teach you two Greek words. Parapetomen. Let's say that together. Ready? Parapetomen. One, two, three. Parapetomen. And homologomen. Ready? One, two, three. Homologomen. Parapetomen, homologomen, bibbidi bobbidi boo. That's how you remember it. All right? Parapetomen means walk. Homologeo or homologomen means confess. Now, the important thing of why I wanted to teach you these words was not just what they mean, but to show you how they work in this sentence. The grammar here is that they are both present active subjunctives. Aren't you blessed? I mean, you didn't know you were going to get this kind of grammar training today. What that means when you have a present active subjunctive verb tense is that the action, whatever the action is, is repeated in the present continually and ongoing into the future. It is something that is repeated, continual, and ongoing. So let's look at walking. It means walking, parapetome, it means walking continually for the rest of your life in the light. And if you are walking in the light continually for the rest of your life, guess what? You will find fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, will continue to cleanse you from all sin. It's active. It's participatory. We walk in this. We choose this. We go for this day in and day out. That one just kind of makes sense to us because we understand walking as a verb. The next one's a little tougher. When we begin to see, oh, I, I like this. It, this walking and continuing to walk day in and day out shows a desire and a willingness to be near God wherever God goes, wherever God leads. That's the heart of it. It's like, God, where are we going today? I want to go where you're going. And I'm going to walk in the light because I want to be in the light with you where you are. The one that's a little tougher for us is the homologomen, confess. It comes from the word homologeo. Homo, we understand that one. It means the same. Logeo means to say. So I am saying the same. And John is writing, when I homologeo, when I say the same about my sin. Then the one who is faithful and just will forgive and cleanse from all unrighteousness. But again, this is where it gets tough. Because it's saying to say the same regularly, continually for the rest of your life because this is a present, active, subjunctive verb tense. And this one freaks us out. Because we would like the security of knowing instead of the dynamic walking and confessing our daily Minutely, sometimes secondly, dependence upon the one who brings forgiveness. And I'm sorry, folks, but that's just true. Now we need to pause for a moment because I don't, I'm not talking about formal confessions. Many of you grew up in Catholic or Lutheran or Anglican and you went to regular, you know, went into the box and you talked to somebody. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay, we're not building any confessional booths here. It's also not about bashing yourself. It's not about giving yourself a low self-esteem. 
Like, oh, I'm just a terrible, no good, rotten person. No, you're a person that Jesus died for. And you are worthy of His love and sacrifice and commitment to you all the way home. You are His child. He loves you. And He loves you. And knows your weaknesses. And knows where you're sick and longs to bring you to health. Even if it takes a really long time. It also doesn't go against our theology. Because we here in the Church of the Nazarene, we, we believe that God really does deal with sin. That it's not just, well, I'll give you a little, little bit of antibiotic, but not enough to really cure the whole thing. No. We do believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live a life that is not dominated by sin. That is free from sinning. This is what we believe. In fact, the very next verse in John chapter 2 will get us there. He says, My little children, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. In fact, when I was translating, this is the first, this is the first sentence I ever translated in New Testament Greek. And it came alive to me off the page because it actually has this connotation of that you will stop sinning. What? We can do that? Well, no, not we, but God can do that in us. Because then He goes right on. And He does that paradox thing again. You can stop sinning, but if you do, you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. And His sacrifice atones not only for your sin, before the sin of the world. That atonement is covering. It covers over the sin. It deals with it. And it's not just for us. Not just for you. It's for the whole world. This love, this covering is so strong that it can deal with all the sickness that humanity has ever had to deal with on account of sin. We have only to ask for it. We have only to place our trust in the One who is righteous. I know this is going a little deep in theology today, but folks, I want you to hear the good news of how we are called to live. That we have to get over this denial that says, oh, well, I had that done and dusted a long time ago. I made my way to the altar. I said the words that I was supposed to say. The pastor told me I was forgiven and got up, and then I just did that. What Paul, or what John is calling us to understand in our understanding of theology is that sin is no longer the master but it can sometimes be the tendency it can still sometimes trip us up the difference is the one who is longing to walk in the way in the light as he is in the light the one who is confessing day and day will enter into that confession to say i'm sorry and god will give forgiveness and will begin to take up his actions so why continual confession because he knows john did i think and jesus definitely does our tendency to minimize our sin while focusing on everybody else's sin it's true. Don't believe me? Take out your journal right now. Cross off everyone on there that you don't personally struggle with. Look at it. 
If there's one on there that you struggle with, good. You're on the journey. You're catching the, 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 the understanding of the dynamics of this thing. If you got two on there, awesome. Man, you, you may have spent some time walking and confessing and understanding what Jesus does in the midst of that, in healing our sin-sick soul. If you've got three, wow, awesome. Holy cow, you're, you're pro at this journey. John knows this, and this is why he says we must confess and keep on confessing so that we are looking in the right place. Why continual confession? Because it helps us to continue being humble. To realize even if I go a day without committing a sin, it's because Jesus did something in me, not something I worked myself up into. It is all through His strength and power. That should be an amen, folks. Because He's willing to give that strength and power to you. And it does keep us humble. How many of you like to be around folks that are humble? They just have an understanding that we're going to go. And they're humble with you and they're humble about themselves. How many of you would rather spend somebody, time with somebody who's arrogant and prideful? Got it all figured out. See? John wants us to understand this. Why continual confession? It helps build our trust upon God's dynamic saving work. That this isn't something I do on my own. This is something that He invites me into. He doesn't invite me into giving me a fire insurance out of hell. Pass. If that were the case, then what do we do? We wind up just sitting on it. In the terminal, waiting for the plane to come by. We do that we end up back in the dark. Now, does what Jesus does take us away from hell? Absolutely. One step at a time. It moves us from darkness into light. It cleanses our heart from every sin. And we are called to live in this relying on Him moment by moment by moment by moment. This is good news. When we understand this, we begin to see that God does His saving work. The word that we have translated in our Bible as forgives is actually the word afe. You can say that with me really quick. One, two, three. Afe. And it means it sends it away. This is, this, this actually fits a lot better than just, well, I, right, not guilty. Here you go. No, it's more like surgery. You had cancer and they, they go in and they get it all and they send it away. It's gone. It's out of you. And now you begin the healing process and you go to to physical therapy and you do a lot of walking and you make sure that heals up really good. And you can still tell people, I am a survivor of cancer. That's where confession begins to take us. I am a survivor because of Jesus. Because I had a good doctor, you would say, if it was a surgeon. I'm a survivor. We are invited to see this healing process. And then, katha... Fisse, that is uh, in yours, cleanses, which sounds very religious, but it's just it makes it clean. I was dirty. Now I'm clean. It's interesting. Another grammar lesson. This is in the aorist active subjunctive. This means it begins in the past when we have confessed and we begin walking in the light as he is in the light. And it begins and it continues bringing never Ending benefit. 
Do you see how this works? It's like the spokes on a wheel. As we walk in the light and continue to walk in the light, and as we confess and keep on confessing our need of His moment-by-moment grace and power and strength and help, He sends away our sin and continues to send it away, continues to make us clean, and continues to see that benefit in our lives as we keep walking. He keeps doing this. This is an invitation to a journey, my friends. A journey that leads us back to health. A journey that leads us into right relationships. A journey that leads us into holiness. A journey that only comes through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what will you do? What will you do? Will you sit on your salvation ticket and wait for heaven? I've already told you that you'll end up back in darkness because our God moves. Will you trust in God's ability today? Jesus is still faithful. Jesus is still faithful to purify you. And to keep on purifying you. Jesus is still faithful to cleanse you and to keep on cleansing you. Jesus is still faithful to remove, heal, and send away your sin sickness. And He will continue to do that if you will continue to walk in the light and confess. Say the same about your struggles. Jesus can and will continue to do this. You can bank on it. The question is, will you begin the journey? Or if you've been sitting on your salvation ticket for a long time, will you begin to let God, here's another medical one, take that heart of stone and restore it to a heart of flesh that allows you to realize and recognize where your struggle is and where His grace is needed and His power can be incredibly effective. Will you continue to focus on other people's sins? Or will you begin a lifestyle of walking and confessing? This is our habit. Remember we talked about acknowledging the bad habit? Replacing it with good habits? Walking. Committing. Desiring to be in God's presence. Confessing saying the same about our struggles or confessing to others, here's where I was saved from. It can be as easy as beginning with, Hi, my name is Jeff. And Jesus has saved my soul. And I'm, as Paul would say, the chief of sinners. I can still struggle with my pride, with my arrogance, I've had some that He has healed me from, but if I don't walk in the light, I know those will come back too. I know that oftentimes I can be very addicted to my way and what I want and what I think should happen. And I want to tell you today that I know that Jesus heals me of that and will continue to heal me of that. But I want to let you know the joy of knowing what happens when He cleansed me. When He sent away my sin. 
when He healed my sin-weary soul. And I walked most days with a lot of joy and a lot of hope. And on the days that it's tough, I keep walking in the present, active, subjunctive, desiring to be in His presence. I continue confessing my need of Him in every moment, in every situation, in every time. And slowly but surely, I trust that the One who is faithful and true will walk me all the way into His arms. And on the journey... I've met a lot of folks who are walking with me, who are encouraging me, who are helping me. And I want to be the same to you. And so I want you to know, I don't have it all figured out. But I trust the One who does. And I desire to be in His presence every day. You may have seen... (laughs) My faults on display. If you don't, ask my wife or my kid. But my desire is to keep saying the same because I know He will keep cleansing. He will keep healing. And we will see days and weeks and months where sin is not my master. But I want to acknowledge from where I've come so that you know how we go this journey together. How long has it been since you've done something like that with someone you trust and care about? Where you've talked about where Jesus has taken you from. Where you've talked about your desire to be in His presence. That's why I've given you that journal. The questions that are there should help you with some of this over this next week. What actions am I participating in that show my desire to be continually walking in the light? Take that with you into prayer. Write down. You probably are. You you come to church. That's one. Go ahead. Got one answer. But then ask God, are there other actions that you're inviting me into that will show I'm walking and confessing? How, How do I do that? How long has it been since I have confessed my need of God's light, grace, mercy, and forgiveness? You want to do that alone, right? You and God. Do that. How long has it been since I told someone else what God has done in me through forgiveness in, in Jesus' name? We're getting real. What do I need to begin confessing on a regular basis? Someone needs to hear your testimony. Somebody will be encouraged by it. That's that's how almost all of these 12-step groups begin to see that slow change. Because God uses the testimonies of others, the shared experience, to begin to walk them into health, into sobriety. The church, we should be the same. We should. We should. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes. Father, it's been my prayer that this paradoxical sermon that John gave this church so long ago 
would work a real health miracle in our church. That if if we came in today knowing nothing about Jesus, that that individual would know that there is a God who desires community with you. And He has light for your darkness and He has healing for your sickness. And He invites you on a journey that He will walk every step of the way with you. And so if that's you today, You're maybe unsure of all the theology and all that Greek language stuff that you talked about, Pastor. But one thing I'm sure of, I want to walk with Jesus in the light. And I want to begin confessing that I need His help. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand? I want to, I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Father, You saw whose hands were raised. I pray You'd show each and every one of them how faithful and true and righteous You are. Take their confessions and begin that benefit of cleansing and healing, forgiving and saving. But may they never forget the good work that You've done. May they continue in that humble pattern of sharing who they are. The other thing I hoped for, Lord Jesus, in this sermon, that some of us who have been around the church for a long time and have been sitting on a salvation ticket in a terminal would see our hard hearts changed. And would say, oh, I I confessed a long time ago. but It's been a long time since I've acknowledged that I need Jesus every moment of every day, every minute, and sometimes every second if I'm going to see relationships restored, sin forgiven and healed. And I just, I just want to raise my hand and say, Pastor Jeff, pray for me because I need that to happen in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Just saying, I, I want to start this. This is a lifestyle. This is not just a one-time moment. This is every day. I need Jesus every day. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Father, you again saw every hand that was raised. Help us to trust you more and more every day. Yes, there will come those incredible moments and seasons and months and years and even decades where sin is not our master, where you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will help us to walk every day loving God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. But help us never to forget where you have brought us from. That we might stay humble be able to share with someone else on the journey. Encourage someone to begin the journey. Encourage someone to trust in your saving power. I pray that for all my brothers and sisters. Father, deliver us from our denial. And help us to walk in the light. 
as you are in the light. For we pray these things through Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Would you stand and receive the final blessing? And now, my brothers and my sisters, may you walk and keep on walking every day in the light as He is in the light. May you confess and keep on confessing, saying the same about your struggles, about your sin, about your sickness. And may you experience the joy of having your sin sent away, of having your heart cleansed, of moving from death to life. And may you recognize the joy of realizing we are together in fellowship with one another. I pray all of this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Go in grace. Go in peace. Amen.